scripture this morning is John 17, verses 2 and 3. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If it's okay with you all, I'll just stay down here. You know, I believe only the Lord needs to be lifted up. Amen? I'm just common folks like the rest of (laughs) y'all. You know, one thing uh, I've discovered, and the Lord has really blessed it, when, when, uh, what goes through my mind when they talk about coming and doing a full series, you know, I, I relate back to amazing facts, and a full series was a five week series. Okay? That even gets long for the preacher, let alone the hearers. You know? So we're only doing 13 nights. Okay? And it'll be two Sabbath mornings. It'll be, you know, a seminar instead of church. But um, it's amazing how the Lord has blessed it. And so, uh, you know, I start on a Monday night. Now, Adventists say, Monday night? Everybody else starts on Friday. How come you start Monday night? Because it's not for Adventists and they don't care. Hello? Okay. So the first five nights, we um, will go straight Monday through Friday. Okay. Then the next two weeks, we're only going to do Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. No Wednesday. Anybody know why? Huh? <laughs> I've discovered something, probably the worst attended night of any night is Wednesday night. Why? Everybody in town goes to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And if you force them to make a choice, generally, you're going to lose. So why do that? Amen? Why not the weekends? We're going to have some coming who are not ready to give up fishing yet. Okay? You know? And by the way, if you're looking for somebody to come and get people wet, don't invite me back. Okay? I'm not into that. Any evangelist worth their salt knows how to take advantage of emotions. But that's not conversion. Hello? We wonder why, you know... They come in one door and go out the other. Now the evangelists like to blame you all. You should have nurtured them more. (laughs) You should have loved them more. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? And you all like to blame the evangelists because they really weren't grounded enough to get baptized. We know the arguments. Are you with me? Listen, what do we want to do? Introduce them to Jesus Christ as they've never seen him before. Hopefully, let them really know how much God loves them. That's my subject this afternoon. You know, we've got a bad idea of God, and we need to change it, okay? And we really need to understand who God the Father really is. And it's so wonderful once you realize God is not standing up there waiting for you to mess up so he can get you, you know? I... I, I, give something in one of my seminars and I said, you know, when it comes to the grace of God, 
and salvation, I think it can be summed up in a song. And I had somebody come up and said, I'll bet I know what song that is, Jack. That's one of them songs that, you know, only the, the greatest voices can sing. A, a song that only the best, uh, you know, musicians can play. You know, a song that kind of goes, I come before the throne of grace and throw myself upon my face. I know that I am but a worm, so step on me, God, and watch me squirm. (laughs) You'd be amazed how many people really think of that. God's sitting up there waiting to punish you, but you're safe because Jesus came and did what he did. Away with such hogwash. God loved you so much that he sent his son that you would be able to be part. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Don't you know how much God loved you? No, the song I pick is one that's a lot more complicated than the other one. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. That's a song I pick. We don't need to have complicated. We need to be simple. And keep it down there. That's really important. I want to talk to you this morning something that the Lord has had put me through. You know, one of the best things about uh, preaching is when God teaches you a lesson... Just tell him how he, what he taught you. Amen? It's easy. And me being a, a country boy, he's got to talk pretty simple to this guy once in a while just to get through to him, you know. But, you know, the Satan has a way of creating such problems in our life. You know, and, 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 and even making it worse, he, he even gets church members involved in the process to help him out. What am I talking about? We become so orientated of doing or happening to do that we end up with a guilty conscience. And then we start not coming to church because we're feeling guilty. And then what will make things worse? You'll have some brother or sister come and help you why you ought not to be here. You know? i never forget, I made a list of my sins. I figured you've got to overcome them. Isn't that what the Bible says? Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. What does he say? It, he that overcometh, okay, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and the angels. Well, the last thing I want is my name blotted out, so I guess I better overcome. So I made a list of them. I figured, hey, I better figure out what I got to fight. Amen. And so I had nine. I went to work. Now, it's a good thing I didn't ask my wife. I'd have probably had 99. But anyway, I had nine. And I went to work with determination on number one. And I worked hard. And pretty soon it appeared I was getting the victory over number one, you know. And then I went to work on number two. And it appeared I was getting a victory on number two. I said, well, let's go to number three. This may not be as hard as I thought it was. 
Much to my amazement, number one was back. And I just thought, you know, I ought to just give up. I'm not going to make it. I'm lost. I might as well just admit it. Quit playing Christian. I know none of you ever had that thought. I know. I even confessed this to one of the elders, Dean. Okay. And you know what he did? He brought me a pamphlet next Sabbath on the 100 sins that Laodicea needs to ask forgiveness for. That made me feel so good. I had nine. Now I got 109. You ever had a church member cheer you up like that? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it just makes you feel wonderful. You know, I want to go back to church. Yeah, right. You know. (laughs) Folks, how does Jesus deal with us? You know, when we are so works-orientated, Satan is so powerful. Do you understand that? You see, when you start working and you start going to check out yourself, who are you looking at? Myself. Guess what? (laughs) I can't do it. The Bible says we can do nothing. Isn't that right? So if you're going to make any progress in the first place, is admit you can't do it. And then ask him to do it. And then quit checking yourself out. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Does that make sense? But Jack, aren't we told that one sin consistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the gospel? Yes. But what's the one sin? Somebody will say, well, it's different from each person. No, it's not. One sin. One sin. Consistently cherished. Anybody know what that sin is? Huh? Rebellion. Okay. Self. Choosing self. Okay. Paul says, if you want to look it up, it's over in Hebrews chapter 12. A lot of these I know by heart, but I shouldn't just recite them. Hebrews chapter says, chapter 12, verse 1. What does Paul tell us? He says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses is it talking about? Okay, he's angels, overcomers. Who else? Friends. Friends. You know, this Bible has <laughs> got a cloud of witnesses in it. And you know how I know it's true? <laughs> it didn't tell all just the good things. Hello? Now, David, <laughs> how many wives did he have? I don't know, 300 and some and another 300 worth of concubines or whatever you want to call them. I don't know how he could do that. I can't, you know, keep one in line. How did he do with all that? I just don't understand. I learned, quit trying to keep her in line. She does a pretty good job then, you know. <laughs> anyway. Here's a man that had his own harem. And what does he do? Takes another one. Ends up having the husband killed to cover up what he did. And God said he's a man after his own heart. 
What? But not for that. Not for that. You're right. You know? We begin to look at this cloud of witnesses that we have. We see the strong and we see the weak and we relearn when they were strong. When were they strong? When they kept their eyes on the Lord and depended on Him to do it. Amen? Amen. And so we ought to read these witnesses so we can understand what it's talking about. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Now, I didn't do real good in school in English. Maybe y'all can tell that. But the sin is what? Singular. Singular. Didn't say the sins. It said the sin. That so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I want to give you the only text in the entire Bible that was written just for Seventh-day Adventist, okay? It's found over in John, chapter 4, or chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 4. Now, why do I say this is written for Adventists? Because they're probably one of the ones that quote it the most. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now I want you to notice something very important. Whoever committeth sin. Is that singular or plural? It's singular, isn't it? Okay. Also, sin transgresses also the law. So if we commit the sin, we will also do what? Come on, guys, it's okay to talk. If we commit the sin, we will also transgress the law. Could I put it this way? If we do the sin, it's going to lead to more sinning. Are you with me? And because sinning is transgression of the law. Amen? So obviously, there must be a sin that's outside the law, but if we commit that one, we're going to commit the other one. And you realize if you break one, you've broken them all. We, we, like to, we like to judge sin. God doesn't do that, okay? What is the sin that so easily besets us? And if we do it, it'll lead to transgression of the law. Trying to live my righteous life on my own efforts. Hello? Trying to live my righteous life on my own efforts. I will fail every time. And Satan wants you to forget that one. After all, you're a good Christian. Concentrate on the other sins, you know, all them law things, and then see how it's working for yourself. If you want to be so far down, you can't see over the back of a worm, keep that up. We talked about last night, who do we think we are? The Bible says we are the sons and daughters of God, prince and princesses of the entire universe. You already hold a position higher than anybody who has ever had a position on the face of this earth. We ought to start treating each other like that, by the way. But folks... Satan doesn't want us to keep our eyes on Jesus. 
In Jesus, we are conquerors. a matter of fact, I think somewhere it says we're more than conquerors, right, Sylvia? I mean, you know, more than conquerors. Wow. When Satan comes along and he tells you what kind of a failure you are, look at him and say, you're right, but it's okay. Jesus already beat you. Okay? And if I accept Jesus into my heart and I say, Lord, I can't do it. I don't want to commit the sin. So, Lord, please come into my heart today. Not my will, but thy will be done. Now, guess what? Jesus already won. Hello? But cherished sin, Jack. What is that cherished sin? Trying to do it by yourself. Hello? That's real complicated, isn't it? I mean, you've got to get a, 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 a degree in theology to figure that out, don't you? Huh? But, but Jack, cherished sin... Known sin. Persistent sin. Now, I know none of y'all ever been in that department. Just me. Okay? You know, some of the sins I like. Hello? You know? And, and sin doesn't always taste bad or look bad or sound bad. You know, if it did, nobody would be a sinner. Amen? Okay? What does God do with people that their, their relationship looks like this? You know, I'd like to tell you how you might. No, you will, if you do it. Have your relationship kind of look like this. You know, I like what Morris gives an illustration. When you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, and we read it last night, He that hath the Son hath life. And I tell you these things that you may know you have eternal life. Amen? You get on the elevator. You push the up button. As you're going up, occasionally you fall down. But guess what? Elevator's still going up. Am I making it clear? You know, we get such weird ideas. Most of you know the name of C.D. Brooks. He was a pastor down south, and one day he knock came on his office door, and a guy came in, one of the church members, deacon, a matter of fact. And he said, Pastor, I want you to take my name off the book. And C.D. says, okay, but why? And he got really emotional. He said, well, when I was baptized, he said, I said to the Lord that I will never smoke another cigarette by your power. He said, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And he said, it's been four years. I'm still smoking. CD says, wow, okay. He said, let me ask you a question. When you got baptized, how many cigarettes were you smoking? He says, I was between two and three packs a day smoker. Wow. CD said, how many cigarettes are you smoking now? He says, oh, two, three, four. And CD says, you want to give up now? 
when you're winning? I don't understand. And the guy got the amazing look on his face, you know. I know where we'd do in some churches. We'd have a board meeting and kick him out. Amen? After all, it's known sin. You remember my example with the baby last night, those of you who were here? Listen, folks. C.D. says, I'll tell you what let's do. He said, I want to make this a point of prayer. You and I will start praying about it. He said, I'd like you to give it three more months. And he says, in three months, he said, if you're still smoking, I'll take your name off the books. He said, they agreed. So they knelt down right then and began to pray. In the meantime, before the three months was up, CD got transferred. He's now in Florida. One night, it was about, you know, one o'clock in the morning, (laughs) he got a phone call. And it went something like this. Hi, I did it. I did it. I did it. Uh, He said, well, the Lord did it. He says, who is this and what is it that got done? (laughs) He told him... (laughs) who he was, and that he hadn't smoked cigarettes for almost 45 days. And C.D. said, you see, Satan wanted you to give up when you were gaining the victory. Do you understand we're not changed overnight? The only time that's going to happen is when Jesus appears. You understand that? And so as a result of that, God works with us where we are. He only gives it to us as we can stand it. I'm so glad that when it comes to our problems, the Lord only opens one of the Venetian blinds at a time. You know what I mean? Because if he pulled the whole thing open, I'd just flat give up and walk away. I don't know about the rest of you. You know, but God in his mercy says, okay, Jack, let's just work on this, okay? And you can't do it, but if you let me in, I will. And you know, sometimes the changes, you almost don't even realize you've changed. Isn't that amazing? Listen, I learned to be a mechanic. I'm not bragging. I'm complaining. Are you with me? My wife raised outlaw super stock cars. Northern California, Nevada, Washington, Oregon. Out of 65 registered drivers, she ran consistently for three years, uh, number 8, 9, and 10. And boy, did she have to put up with guff after all. She ought to be in the kitchen, you know. I remember one guy came up and said, when are you going to get her out of that car and back in the kitchen where she belongs? I said, she'd beat you there too. It's okay. But anyway... (laughs) I don't know how many of you have ever laid in the mud and had to work on a car. My wife used to come back, aren't you having fun? I said, oh, this is wonderful. You know. After the race, you always have to fix something, you know, before you can go back again. I'm telling you, your knuckles would get all broke up or the wrench wouldn't fit on the dumb thing, you know, and it'd get to a certain point and I won't say what I said, but I can tell you this, while I said it, the wrench went flying across the garage and stuck in the wall. (laughs) And one day I said, Lord, I can't do it. There's no way. You're going to have to do it or I'm just totally lost. Well, one day I was out working on the car. 
And sure enough, I couldn't get the stupid wrench on the nut. Now, you can take that any way you want to. (laughs) Anyway, finally, I just said, Lord, help me take this stupid thing off, please. All of a sudden, the wrench went on, nut came off. About 15 minutes later, I had to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Because I hadn't got mad, hadn't said words, and I didn't throw it across the garage. And I didn't even realize it when it did it. God works with us where we're at, you know. Jack, do you have any proof? You know, there's too many preachers out there now preaching love, 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 and don't worry about the law. Listen, if you fall in love with Jesus, the law is easy. Law means nothing. If Jesus is living in your heart, you will be keeping the law. Hello. You can't keep the sin and keep a relationship. You understand that? Should I say it again? You can't keep the sin and maintain a relationship. One of two things will have to go. Either the relationship or the sin. Now, I didn't say, you know, this afternoon at 2 o'clock. But you hang in there with the Lord and ask Him to be in your life every day. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't look and see if you're measuring up. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll be amazed. Because He is the one that gives you the victory. All right, Jack, I want proof. I, I just can't buy this. That, that, that the Lord puts up with known, persistent, cherished sin. Okay. Turn over with me to Mark. Jesus and the disciples are on the way to Capernaum. Mark chapter, oh yeah, which one, Jack? Mark, it's a nice book, isn't it? <laughs> chapter 9. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading in verse 33. As they're on the journey the disciples begin to talk amongst themselves. And as they're talking, they begin to fall back further and further and further and further away from Christ. You know, that told me something when I realized that. You know, you can't stay in the presence of Jesus and sin. You've got to feel like you're away from him. You know what I'm talking about? It just I mean, if you don't believe me, listen, how many of you, <laughs> if you had the preacher sitting in the car with you, when you know that idiot that just cut you off, you would definitely have this go into gear before this does, and you would have said something you would not normally say, but because the preacher's sitting there, <clears throat> You know what I mean? <laughs> now, if you, if you do that when the preacher's there, why can't we get to the point to realize Jesus is there? If you ask Him to be, if you realize a sense that He is really with you, then you can't really be sinning if you're in His presence. Amen? Now, tell me something. From the Bible, in God's eyes, what's the worst sin? When you're 
God, God is against sin in any shape or form. You're going to be held accountable if you're doing any of them. But there is one sin I believe God hates more than anything else. You know. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I think he, I think he doesn't particularly like that one either. You're right. I want to read you something because I ask people this question. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is what? <laughs> okay, and you ask people, what does that mean? Revelation says, you know, uh, about the, you know, the fear of the Lord, you know. It says over in Proverbs eight thirteen. the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. So when we're talking about fear of the Lord, it doesn't mean be afraid of Him. It means become more like Him. Amen? That's what it's talking about. But what is the sin that started this whole cotton-picking mess? Pride. Self-pride. Amen? (laughs) So what sin does God hate the most? Self-pride. Are you with me? Pride. Pride goeth before a... Yeah. And yet, do you know, pride almost goes unscathed. Oh, you hear lots of sermons about smoking and drinking and running around and don't wear the wrong things and make sure you eat the right thing. How many times do we ever hear sermons on pride? It's the root. Hello? Now, I know you're... Why is he making such an issue out of this? Verse 33, still in Mark 9. And he came to Capernaum, being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? And they held their peace by the way, and they had disputed amongst themselves who should be what? The greatest. Jesus took a little child. I love it. Jesus always went to children to be able to figure out what was going on. You know, I had a 10-year-old boy come up to me one night, and he says, you know, Pastor Jack, I know what gambling is. And I said, yeah, what's that? He says, that's when you take some of the money God gives you and try to get some of the money the devil has. <laughs> wow! I'd been preaching for years and hadn't come up with that one. Amen? It's amazing how God can use the children, and Jesus always did. Now, think about this. They disputed amongst themselves who would be the greatest. Are we right? See, there was no question in their mind that they were saved, they were righteous. After all, they were going to run the kingdom, but one of them was going to be in charge. Now, is that self-righteousness or what? You know, if I'd have been Jesus, <laughs> I'd have said, you guys get out of here. I want 12 new ones. These are hopeless. <laughs> I don't know how you would have felt. That's how I felt. Okay. By the way, did they know they were sinning? Sure they did because they kept falling back. They didn't want him to hear. <laughs> they knew what they were doing was wrong. 
Would you call that known sin? How about cherished sin? <laughs> Listen, John even got his mama to go ask Jesus if the two boys could sit in the most important seat. Tell me it wasn't cherished, huh? Continuing persistent sin. <laughs> I want to bring you down to the night of the Lord's Supper. Y'all remember what they were doing? They were sitting around the table arguing over who was going to be number one. They weren't even paying any attention to Jesus. They were so self-righteous, Jesus could go on vacation and they could handle it. Now you know why I'd ask for 12 new ones. What did Jesus do? He got up, almost unnoticed, I believe, walked over, took off his outer coat, got a towel, poured some water in the deal, and came back and knelt down and began to wash the disciples' feet. Where do you think everybody's eyes was about that time? You know, 12 o'clock? You know, it's amazing to me. If people, no. You know, if people really understood communion, they'd never miss one. Did you know that? You know, usually communion Sabbath is the least attended. If you really understood it, it would be the greatest attended. Do you know that? You know, people say, well, I don't go and I don't stay because I'm not worthy. And if I partake without being worthy, you know, then I condemn myself. And some people even quote Ellen White on the same subject. I'm going to tell you something. You err not knowing the Bible nor the writings of Ellen White. How can I be so emphatic with my statement? All right, I'll ask you the same question I've asked people all over the world. Please, tell me what you think you can do to be worthy. Hello? When it says over in Isaiah chapter 64, all of our right doing is but what? So when do you think you will be worthy enough to partake? Never. Hello? I know I'm preaching some weird stuff, right? You know, you call a conference and tell them and they'll throw me out, all right? Anyway. I don't see that What makes us worthy? Listen. Jesus kneels down. And begins to wash the disciples' feet. You know, many theologians believe the first one he washed was Judas. Do you realize Jesus loved Judas? I believe this was a last-ditch effort to get him to change his mind. 
And by the way, Judas gets a bum rap. He did not set out to have happen what happened. That was not his intention. Judas was a mover and a shaker. Judas is one of those in the church, Dean, that, you know, gets things done, you know. And um, there have been too many times when Jesus should have stepped forward and proclaimed himself king. And somehow it didn't work. And so Judas thought, I'm going to put him in a position. There's absolutely no way out of it. He's going to have to declare himself king. And then, of course, I'll get my rightful position. (laughs) You know, I think that's a reason that the wise man said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a person, but the ends thereof are the ends of death. Judas didn't understand the path he'd put his feet on. Many times we don't either. But Jesus knew what he did. And Jesus knelt down and began to wash his feet. I believe his heart went out to him and said, Judas, please, please, Judas, you don't have to do this, Judas. I love you, Judas. Please, it's not too late. Please change your mind, Judas. Tomorrow I'm going to die for you. Please. I hope that's the kind of Jesus you serve. It's the kind I serve. One by one comes to Peter. You know, Peter says, you're going to try to wash my feet, Lord? You ain't going to wash my feet, Lord. Uh Uh-uh, no way. You know why? He was feeling very self-conscious about that time. He knew he ought to be washing Jesus' feet. And so Jesus told him, he says, how many of you believe Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? Let me see your hands if you believe that. Jesus always the same. What did Jesus tell Peter? If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Now, you want a good reason to come and partake of the foot washing part? That's it. Hello? What makes us worthy? When the person kneels down and washes your feet, who do they represent to you? Hello? Do you have to get rebaptized? No. Jesus said, You got a little dirt, let me wash it away. You know? I've been in places. One will sit on this side, one will sit on that side. They wouldn't speak to each other if God came and told them to. And they think they're going to heaven. You know? You know, if I was God, I think I'd make them go to heaven and be neighbors forever. I guess that's why I'm not God. Amen? Well, I'll forgive them if they make the first move. After all, they did it. (laughs) Aren't you glad Jesus didn't wait for you to make the first move? And you know, when that person kneels down and washes your feet, who do they represent? Who do they represent? You know, it's awfully hard to stay mad at Jesus. Amen? You know, if you want to have a sad, long, sour face, look like you've been baptized in lemon juice on (laughs) communion Sabbath, you do that before the foot washing. 
when you come out of the foot washing, put a smile on your face because you're 100% with God and you're worthy to partake of the bread and the wine. Hello? Am I making it plain? I want you to hear this. And hear Jesus. What are they doing? Cherished, consistent, known sin. The day, the night before he's going to die, they're keeping it up. And Jesus gives them an illustration that lasts forever. They were never the same again. You see, you understand how important that is? You know, we need it. I'm thankful we have it. What happened with these gentlemen? They never argued again who was number one. See, Jesus hangs out with known sinners. Still walks with them and talks with them even when they're cherishing what they're doing is wrong. Jesus hangs out with them, loves them, and talks with them and encourages them to keep moving even when they continue it and keep it up. But eventually, just like the 12, you stay in that relationship and the sin will be gone. Don't give up on Jesus. He doesn't give up on you. Don't listen to Satan and when you're losing, I mean when you're winning, let him win. Hang in there. That's what this is all about. I want to close with this. Dean asked me a question during Sabbath school. What's the secret of keeping that relationship alive and well? Three things. So simple. Number one, every day. Somebody asked me, Jack, when were you saved? This morning, it was probably about 6.30. And by God's grace, I'll be saved again tomorrow morning. Okay? See, it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. How do you do it? I usually do it before I get out of bed. I haven't had time to mess up yet. Lord, thank you for giving me another day. Please forgive me for anything that I have done, whether in thought, word, or deed, that has offended you or brought dishonor to, to our Father. Keep your promise, Lord. Come and live in me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not what I want, but what you want. Are you with me? As I read with you, because in the Bible it tells us we are born again by the Word. 1 Peter 1, verse 23 We are born of incorruptible seed by the word that liveth and abideth forever. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Please, when I open your word to study, Lord, would you please write on my heart every word so that when I'm faced with something, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to my remembrance. And Lord, send me somebody today 
I can tell them what Jesus has done for me. And by the way, that's the three things. Pray, read, and share. Now, some of you may go home like I have, determined to do it. Any of you ever had your promises last about as long as... Good intentions, I think that's why they say the road to hell's paved with them. Anyway, I asked, I said, Lord, you've got to help me. And I read over there about Moses, you know, and he saw the burning bush and he came. And, and, and what did the Lord tell him? Take off your shoes. And I wondered, why in the world did he say take off your shoes? Now, I know somebody's going to say, well, Jack, it's right there. You know, it was holy ground. I don't know about the rest of you, but I think God's deeper than that. Hello? Okay? And so I wondered why. I wondered for a long time. And my wife and I were home on leave during the summer for meetings. And uh, our dog, Alex, which is a Rottweiler, and we live on 40 acres with no close neighbors. My closest neighbor is almost 100 acres away. Uh, I opened the door, and Alex took off running towards the neighbor's fence because the horses were over there. And I went running out after her. I reached the end of the driveway, and I went, whoa, because in my bare feet, rocks don't feel good. Amen? So I went back, and I put on rubber boots. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. They use them on the farm, you know. I put on the rubber boots, and I took out after Alex. Sally says, I wished I'd had a movie camera. She says, I know on America's Funniest Videos, we'd have won the $10,000. Here's this overweight guy in his BBDs. I've got no neighbors now. In his BBDs with a pair of rubber boots running across this field. You just picture it. That would have been funny, huh? Anyway. As I'm running across the field, guess what? All of a sudden, it dawned on me why God said, take off your shoes. And I forgot about Alex and had to stop and thank him. See, shoes represent freedom. We ain't going anywhere without a pair of shoes. Amen? And so we got to have them. And once we get our shoes on, we can go anywhere. After all, I'm big enough, old enough to do what I want. But Jack, when I got your intentions, you promised me you weren't going your way anymore. You were going to go my way. And so Jack, if you haven't prayed and you go to put your shoes or boots on, You remember your promise, and before you put them on, you stop and pray right then. Once you put them on, you grab the Bible, and if you can only open it anywhere and read a verse, do it. And while you're driving to work, ask me to send somebody, you can tell them what I've done for you. And I'll tell you, it'll be there stronger and stronger and stronger every day with a simple thing as a shoe. Hello? 
Remember, you promised to go God's way. So is it simple? Yes. And he gave us a reminder. Lord, thank you so much. May your Holy Spirit be in us that we will trust and obey every day. Father, thank you for loving us even when we are not lovable. Thank you for not throwing us out and starting over, Lord. Remind us we are more than conquerors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.